Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. Voice acting. Audio production. Disability inclusion. Can you imagine such things being discussed on the DJ Bob show? <laughs> of course you can. These things get talked about on the DJ Bob show. Am I your host, DJ Bob? Absolutely not. I'm your friendly neighborhood audio producer and voice actor, Nate Beagle stepping out from behind the scenes as the editor-in-chief of the DJ Bob show and usurping Bob's authority and taking over his cold open and making it long and obnoxious. You know why? Because I can. I'm drunk with power! (laughs) But seriously, folks, I just decided to do this to change it up a little bit. Kind of set the tone for this nice little change of pace chat that Bob and I have. And I hope you all enjoy it as much as we did. And so, without further ado, here is the chat with DJ Bob and Nate Beagle. Thank you. be funny if you introed the episode with with my theme music but like do your exact intro like pop culture like the old way how we used to do it before i came in the dj bob show pop culture past and present and now here's your host dj bob you want me to do the 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 old school way we're like yeah bringing it back yeah i could do that that could be fun How's this? Yeah, there you go. Now you're nice, nice and close. Now it's like cool. nice, nice intimate chat. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're not doing that. We are not, this is not DJ Bob's ASMR show. Yeah, so um, I just want to talk about some pop culture for a minute. Um, how much do you guys like PB Otter? Oh my God. The phone lines are open now. <laughs> oh, that's a whole different show. Late night pop culture with DJ Bob. <laughs> What's going on, man? How are you, my friend? Oh, man, you know. Living it up. Living the life. Having a blast. With sound effects included. Yes, absolutely. I was going to wait for you to kind of like intro me and then of course well, our studio audience can... i think what a lot of people don't realize in your show that you have a live audience but we choose to like mute them a lot because they're so raucous 
you know they can't contain themselves right 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 france all right for for those listening at home audience can you please just let yourself known thank you thank you 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 guys oh you're too please please we haven't even said any i haven't even cracked a joke yet uh, but thank you, thank you for letting uh, letting the 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 audience at home, the listeners of uh, the rabid fans of DJ Bob for for listening. Yeah. Even Little John, Little John is a massive fan. Not a lot of people know these things, so we're here to like peel back the curtain. I think Bob, we're peeling back the curtain of yeah. of of your show and your fandom. So. It's exciting. It's exciting. People love the behind the scenes stuff. You know how like, you know, with like, you know, Disney is always like, no, don't ruin the magic and things like that. You know what I mean? But and we'll talk about this, too, as we go on, I'm sure. But, you know, Jim Henson are, you know, are uh, we have both have mutual large affection for Jim Henson. And he's very much. do Do you need to get that? You need no, to get no. that. Who has a phone in the studio audience? Oh my goodness. Whose phone is it? I swear. I thought we said check your phones at reception before coming into the studio, guys. Come on. Ugh. Anyway, what was I saying? No. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Um, we're talking about Jim Henson's. I thought he love his, his peel back the the magic behind the magic is really what it is you know what i mean so i love like peel back the curtain episodes that never for me as a kid that never ruined the magic for me ever and in instant for you thousand percent a thousand percent it just amped it up so much it just made it more magical to me but we can talk about that later. Anyway, I was just the commentary on like we're peeling back the curtain of DJ Bob show. Like and I said, you with love the magic, that. With the, you... the magical audience. And you are magical and... audience. Yes. You're all magic. You're amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so So I'm not gonna take over your show. I'm not gonna I I'm this is your show. I I am again, this is a peel back. I'm a behind the scenes guy on the DJ Bob show. Have been for a while. And uh, now I'm excited to be in front of the scene, if that's and a phrase. We've been, is, we've that been a phrase? is that a phrase, Bob? I guess. If they say behind the scenes all the time, but is there in it front is of now. the scenes? It There's is now. There's in the scenes, but behind the scenes? I don't know. So I'm happy to be in front of the scenes. So one of the first things I wanted to bring up before we get to, before we get into sort of the Nate Beagle story of it all. <laughs> is the beagleness of it. Oh, I wanna... the beagleness of it all, or... Girl, the shade, the shade of it all. Yes. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, this is going to be the episode, you guys. You know, Bob's always on it. Bob is a pro. Bob's talking to people way above my station. Like, super celebs. With lots of celebrity credentials, weight. man, creden- credentials. Yeah, mad creds. I mean, you've got them too. But. And uh, well, thank you. But this is going to be the episode where you see me. I'm going to be the guest that throws Bob curveballs and sees how he see how he reacts because we're buds, and I'm no, I'm but to that's do that. that's that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is a very this could be a very different episode. Yeah, and I was ready for that. Which is why <laughs> which is why my first question for you is this. Obviously we're friends and we've been friends for nearly a decade now, but when you started editing the show what what did you expect going in and what are you what were you kind of surprised by um i guess i expected uh, because we i guess to, to put it into context like our connection and uh relationship kind of stemmed from i guess it was really uh like facebook style back in the day well over a decade ago, I want to say. Um, 2014, yeah. 2014. Yeah, okay, so nearly a decade ago. Um, when uh, I was doing my own podcast with my buddy Dan back in the day, um, and it was a puppetry podcast, and you were a fan of that show, and you had, you had engaged with us on the social media. I was very gregarious. I was very... Upping your face. You, you were, care. yeah, you you were right there, engaged, commenting on any of the guests that we had on or any of the subject matter and stuff like that. So we knew you tangentially through that, right? And then, um, and it was through that seeing like what you got going on and like you're, you know, and the, you didn't bury the lead of your show. You know, it was a pop culture podcast, and it was, you know, you talking about stuff that you really uh, were into. And so that's what I knew it would be going into it. What I, to hopefully answer your question, what I found after editing so many of your episodes and listening to so many of your chats was how, how like, beautifully well-rounded it was it wasn't just and I know you say this too you say this like you know I was just a fanboy and I would geek out and da 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 and yeah of course because you know 10 years ago you were a lot younger as we all were but Mm -hmm. and and it it was a newer venture for you but it's been a it's been a a tremendous delight and pleasure seeing you grow with your show if that makes sense yeah. And see you become the interviewer and the, 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 you know, the conversationalist that you are with your guests. Um, and yeah, so it, it doubled down on like, we knew you knew a lot about the stuff, you know, about the guests, you know, about the, the properties or the things, the content that they are out there for, or that they're known for. And you could talk about that, but then you would, you know, open it up to be like, like, who are you? (laughs) You know, how are you? Like, what do you like? What are these kind of, you know, and then getting their own personal takes and opinions on certain situations. And then of course, as you, and I know a lot of your listeners already know this, that at the beginning, you didn't really want to talk about your disability at all. You didn't even want to even bring it up as a thing. Um, which is super commendable that you're like, I don't want this podcast to be known for this. I want it to be known for this. And, but again, I love that the trajectory has been the change that you've kind of come around to. Well, maybe it can be a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, both of these things are me. I am this, I am this person 
I have this disability. It is part of my life. It's part of who I am. But I also love this stuff and I love talking about it. So why can't I talk about both? On my you show. Wait. And so you, that's what I love. You, I love that whole growth. And I'm just, I, I tremendously commend you for it. You went into a perfect segue there. The beginning of your kind of puppetry trajectory, you grew up watching Fraggle Rock and Sesame Street and all that stuff mm-hmm. and kind of dabbling with voices and puppetry. Like, mm-hmm. for. I'm basically telling your story, but I'm getting to a point where I'm getting, trust me, you know where this is going. So, one of your first puppetry jobs, quote jobs, because you were a teenager, was, what is it called? Kids on the Block? Yeah, Kids on the Block, yeah. Can you kind of go into that? And I, I, and the reason why I'm bringing it up so soon is because I'm genuinely curious about yeah. it. Yeah, because we've never it, really talked about it. We've 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 in passing kind of mentioned it to each other, and you knew about it from. So well, let's yes, I want to talk about it absolutely to to give a little bit more context, I guess. Um, quick elevator pitch for those who have absolutely zero idea who I am. Yes, I am Nate Beagle, and while I am the editor-in-chief of the DJ uh, Bob Show podcast and uh, edit and cut and mix and make it all sound nice and pretty for y'all's uh, ear holes. Can I say ear holes? I just said it. I just said it a, a couple times. So I'm going to say ear holes. Um, for your ear holes, uh, making this sound really nice and uh, and good for you. But um, prior to that, um, and basically, uh, my little intro pitch of who I am. If you're like, who are you? Account for yourself. I'm Nate Beagle. I'm a voice actor and audio producer and VO coach and puppeteer. And I bring stories to life. That's what I say. That's what's on my business card. Yeah, that's it does. What's on my website, um, and that's what I've had to like, kind of to truncate it, to boil it down to what I do for a living, is bring stories to life uh, and character in, in in whatever medium that that lies. Typically, it is within the audio medium as a voice actor uh, and an audio producer, but also as a puppeteer, and that is where my career started was within puppetry so i just wanted to give that kind of context just so i could enroll, turn the clock back into you know how did you get into this and um you guys can you know everybody can kind of you can google my name you can see a lot of stuff will pop up um i've been on a lot of other podcasts talking about my journey my puppetry journey specifically and or my voice acting journey but it all stems from um being a kid who was absolutely enthralled with puppetry, was enthralled with the characters of Sesame Street, was enthralled with, and to date me, I was I was in the prime kid age when Fraggle Rock was first on. And I don't know if you've talked about this. I like to bust out, like, I'm one of those guys, especially at, like, pub trivia or something, like, have all of this... Did you know kind of like factoids? In, I love that kind of stuff. In, yeah. the, in my Rolodex of my silly brain that I like to pull out. But talking about Fraggle Rock is the, uh, did you know that Fraggle Rock is the original HBO original series? 
I mean, you're talking to me. Of course <laughs> I do. Well, I know, but see, the audience, the, the audience, did you know? Yeah. All right, little John knew. Everybody, all right, little, <laughs> have, other than little John, did anybody else know? <laughs> That's why I was, this is part of the gig here, Bob. Come on, you know how this works. Of course I know you know, and everybody knows that you know this thing, but others might not know. Yeah, Fraggle Rock was the first HBO original series. Wild. I just think that's a fun little factoid. But anyway, to date me, I was a a, a, a grade school, single digit aged kid in the 80s. So that was where my formative entertain, you know, engulf, you know, child development age of the 80s. And Fraggle Rock was the light switch moment. I call it the light switch moment. I went from being, you know, a, a very young kid toddler you know baby toddler into you know five or six and just loving these characters loving my dad was a huge fan of the Muppets and so the Muppets were still kind of in syndication like the Muppet show would still play I want to say yeah. on, on PBS or or, uh, or another station I know Nickelodeon aired it, Nickelodeon aired it for a while. It yeah, for sure. Because, been... I mean, and by this point, in the early to mid-80s, the show Muppet Show was only off the air for, you know, less than 10 years. Um, so uh, my dad was obsessed with it. and my So I, I equate a lot of my who I am and a lot of my natural pro- proclivities and career trajectory to my father. Um, but so love the Muppet Show, love Sesame Street, of course, and just... Love these characters, and then, but Fraggle Rock was the light switch moment of when I was around seven. It was around seven, watching it and going from immediately saying like, going, "Oh, look at these characters, Gobo and and Boober and Wembley," and just loving the you know being engaged into their story, and then going, "How do they do that?" Mm. Like I had reached that hump. I don't remember when that was for me. You do? When was it for you? I. I I mean I don't have a specific memory, but I remember knowing like the this character isn't real and feeling like how do they do that? I remember like watching some talk show appearance with Kevin Clash as Elmo and being like, How is that happening? Like how is he not cracking up and losing control over the conversation and feeling like feeling like this is something that is unimaginable for most people because mm-hmm. people see puppets as this cute thing and it's so much more than that absolutely absolutely so i, it's I love so much more than that yes and the i can attest to that uh, as as being that kid who had that switch going, how do they do that? I want to know how they do that. I get, I understand now that those particular characters made out of fleece and foam and fur. They're not made out of felt. They're not made out of felt. Come on, guys. It's not felt. If you say, you go into a trivia question, you're like, what is Kermit made out of? And you say felt. That is incorrect. Or no, or the wrong buzzer. Let's say you buzzed in incorrectly. Um, so, yes, fleece, mostly fleece, fleece foam, fabric, uh, and fur. Um, but I went from going like, I get it. I get that they're not real, right? There's somebody bringing them to life. And I am, whereas, it takes me back to what I was saying earlier, like the behind the curtain, whereas some companies, 
already named their name, but some companies will say, like, don't ruin the magic, right? It'll destroy the kids' minds. Whereas I had that realization on my own and was not traumatized, was yeah. not uh, like, my whole life has been a hollow lie. Um, I was not any of that. I was more fascinated and I was more invested in that and I just needed to know so cut to and I tell this to um a lot of my uh my kid my younger uh actors that I coach in VO and I you know tell them a little bit of my story and I say well you see back in my day we didn't have a thing called the Googles or the YouTubes and so when I saw something that I needed to learn about I went to this magical place called the library I still go. It was very, very magical. And in this magical place, they had walls of shelves and these things upon the shelves, and they were called books. Um, So, yeah, I went to the library and checked out every book that I could about puppetry, the art of puppetry especially, and then making puppets and everything. And the more that I dived into that, and how it was done, how they were made, how they were manipulated and performed, that's when the gears really kicked in for Now, me. were there any Henkin-specific books, or was it general? Um, there definitely was, I can't remember the exact title, it was definitely, there was a, like, I want to say within, in the 80s, there was like a Magical World of Jim Henson book, like, a, it was like a companion book to the, like, the Jim Henson Hour which I'll get to uh, in a second, yeah. that one, you know, the Jim Henson, you remember the Jim, the Jim Henson hour? He quicker the Muppet. Yes. And that, that, that amazing, like, final episode where they pan the camera down. With Fran and all, And you everybody. see everybody, right? And they go through and they went through and j- that episode of Jim Henson hour lives rent-free in my head of how they literally showed you how it works. They showed you that Gonzo can't run over and just grab a phone. They have to cut grab the camera. Grab a phone. And then, and they, they walked you through all of it. And made made it light and made it fun and interesting, and um, so I believe there was a companion book uh, similar to that, like the Wonderful World of Jim Henson. But the book, The Art of Puppetry, was definitely one that I remember. Um, it was just a, a a ton and just anything that I could see or find. And diving into the those pages and starting to build my own puppets and things like that, it was the manipulation aspect, the performance aspect of it that really enlivened me. Uh, as a kid, and that is the focus point that I ended up going into was bringing them to life, like actually creating the character, creating their backstory, creating their thoughts and their feelings and their movement and literally just bringing them to life. Um, and so that it was that's what has perpetuated through my entire journey. The elevator got super stuck. Oh man, it does. Way, As we know, way. the elevator is a long ride. It's a it's a skyscraper. Um, that um, that well, the elevator pitches is like I'm Nate Beagle, I'm a voice actor and puppeteer, and I bring characters to life. Boom. Um, now then they go. Will tell me more. Um, so that was the that was the switch. That was the you know to take it back. Fraggle Rock is will live in infamy for me as being what has uh carried me through and so as i started down that journey to bring us to the kids in the block um where i grew up and went to school there wasn't really it's not like today like i said there's not you can't just 
I couldn't just go on, uh, type in <laughs> there. I didn't have a computer. Couldn't just type in, you know, y- y- puppetry 101 or, y- you know, how to do this. Um, so there weren't like the, the accessibility of information and things that like just did not exist then. So I was, you know, chomping at the bit, frothing at the mouth, if you will, of looking for anything, any kind of puppety thing that I could be a part of, um, to increase my skills. And because it just became this passion that I wanted to do. And in school, they had a program that they introduced in the mid eighties, uh, called Kids on the Block. And for those who may not be aware, Kids on the Block is a group of puppet characters that all have, in some form, a a particular disability. Yeah. And it was created under the very, I want to say, under the... the, the the greatest of intentions. We're being very careful here. Yes. <laughs> it was created with the greatest of intentions of helping kids in a very Sesame Street-esque way, whereas Sesame Street wasn't necessarily doing a lot of this uh, on on the show at the time. But I think they took that idea of kids pay attention to puppets. They're in they're engaged with them, and it's a really good way to to teach them things, to keep them in their seats and, and interacting and talking. Kids are more apt to engage and talk to a puppet than they are to an adult. And so also to double down on that, the Kids in the Block program in school would train other kids to perform these puppets mm. for kids. Now, this is junior high for me, cut to junior high. So I was around sixth, seventh eighth grade and uh these programs were designed these scenes these scripts for these characters were designed to play for elementary school kids to teach them or to at least uh uh introduce them to other kids that they may meet in their life that have uh, a disability um, and some of them were uh, uh, like blind, a, a, a blind character. A, um, they, they eventually introduced like a burn victim character. Yeah, that was interesting. I saw that. Um, and they uh, also had a character, and I'll always never forget his name, Mark Riley, who was a kid mm-hmm. with CP. And he was a puppet with CP in a wheelchair. And um, so they designed this, these these shows, these little scenes, um, to play out, to kind of introduce the kids to these kids, um, these puppet kids, and their story, and then they would have like a, a Q&A, like an interacting um, with the kids. So the kids in the audience could ask the kids on the block questions about what they just saw, or their... So really amazing intention, you know? Um, Looking back on it, and those you can, if you're listening to this right now, please Google it. Um, the mm. puppets are debatably, and we talked about this on my previous podcast, horrifying. <laughs> yeah, and <coughs> they're they're I, they're not the most pleasant puppets no. to look at. Um, <laughs> they're not not the most. Um, again, like I said, we're we're I'm being we're trying to be trying to be very open about this because like I said it was it all came from a good place but 
They were not built very well. They weren't very, I guess, that pleasant to look at. Um, and uh, their implementation of what they, their performance style, they had a very specific performance style that they wanted to uh, achieve for these things. So there was a very specific like training course in order to be one of the kids on the block. You showed me that video. And, and that it has been somebody posted it on YouTube like within the last year and oof. I was my my mind was blown because it's one of those things. It's one of the, it's so long you ago. You texted me. I you did. said don't be offended by this. <laughs> like it's okay. Like I. No, well, I already knew you weren't going to be offended about it because you are familiar with those whole thing. But I was just like, because we were kind of talking about it just uh, to each other, and when I saw us, just look, I was so curious. I was like, does anybody have any more? Because <clears throat> when we first brought this up on the podcast with Dan, um, which you can still get, it was called "Getting Felt Up," a puppetry podcast. Which at the time, over ten years ago, was a really funny joke. Not so much a funny pun anymore. Um, and we haven't done it in a number of years. But the the episodes still exist, and they're really great chats. They're a really great. Um, we really just wanted to shine a light on. Get a lot puppetry. of in person stuff. A lot of lot of in person chats with really tremendous uh, performers, writers, creators in the puppetry community. Um, so please go check it out. There's some really fun chats in there. But in the earlier episodes, just to kind of introduce ourselves, I brought up, you know, what was, you know, one of my first real puppetry performance uh, was through Kids on the Block as a kid being trained to do this. And um, it's one of those things that uh, it's so many years went past that I was like, did that happen? Am I making some of this up? And, you know, so like kind of like that intro video that I so vividly being remember being shown as a kid in order to play this role. This is how you do this. And this is how you speak as this character. And it exists. And somebody found it. And okay. it's on YouTube. Can Please we go look be, it up. Can we be really candid about... It's your show, dude. We can be as candid as you want. Like, like be candid. Let's do it. So, the the vocal instruction was similar to the way I speak. Correct. Yeah the the vocal instruction that I was given for Mark Riley character, um, a lot of it was kind of in tandem to the very specific puppetry style that they wanted, where the creators decided that kids need to be talked to very slowly so they can mm. understand. Um, so that fed into also, so, and I know we can't, nobody can see us in this, but they, uh, you know, it was a very like, they push out the words. It was very, yeah. very um, over-exaggerated uh, lip move, mouth movements, if you will. Um, does that make sense? Like really pushing yeah. out the words. It's like, imagine their em necks. Emphasis just kind of... on everything. Yes, yes. Even like e emphasis on things that they don't even necessarily are meaning to emphasize. It's just that's the style that they decided that that's the way these need to be performed. Um, so yeah. within that, but then also they said with Mark, Mark has CP and um, he talks with a lisp, like to have that 
literally like you know i said candidly was like in a very similar way that you talk you know i never uh, realized that i had one until years later Sure, of course. I mean, that's like anybody. That's like, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, people that grow, I didn't realize I talk funny until somebody told me I do, you know, things like that. Of course you don't realize that. Um, and then depending on, do you need to get that? Bob, you're so popular. The phones are ringing off the hook. They uh, we're not taking calls right now. The, uh, unfortunately, you guys, this isn't live. I'm not. So I don't know I'm how the phones what, are ringing. Oh I'm not gosh. interested in what you're selling. Yes. So well, I hang up on you. Goodbye. Okay. Yes. Giving them the whip. I don't have a phone. Uh, a phone uh, hang up sound. So I just crack the whip and yeah. then. Oh, that's what. See, that's what you get. Don't call here anymore. Um. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, uh, for Mark specifically, and I'm not doing this to be rude, obviously, and you know me. No, I'm not taking offense to any of this, but that is the way I was supposed to speak with him. You know, it was, they wanted that. And so that was an, an interesting level. And that was something myself, I had never come across somebody with CP. I'd never met anyone with CP. So I'm, was literally basing my knowledge solely of what I was given. Uh, uh, from kids on the block, but yeah. So yes, to, back to your point. That was one of that was my first ever like real like professional thing. Like we toured, we toured elementary schools with these characters in these shows. The two characters that I predominantly played were Mark with CP and Ronaldo, who was the blind kid. Wow. Yeah. It, it's a total. It's it's so interesting that. Because if I saw that he's a kid, I don't, truthfully, I don't know how I would have reacted. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, especially for you. I, I would be intrigued to see how, as a kid, you would have reacted to something like that. Looking at it now, I feel like it's hard to talk about it because we're looking at it with these, you know, decades later goggles and we look at it and we go, yikes. You know, you're like, oh, that probably, we could probably have done better. Right. There, there could have been a lot of things that we could have done better for this. Right. And you can do that with kind of any kind of project. Um, but from what I remember and the big takeaway that I also got from it as a performer, which was really invaluable to my career to this day, is that Q&A afterwards. Not so much like this is how you need to do this. You know, being told and being directed to do a, a show in something in a certain way. And being able to take those notes and do that is one thing. But the live Q&A afterwards, doing a Q&A with kids, improv style, was yeah. an invaluable thing that I learned to do very early on in my journey as an actor and as an entertainer and as an educator. You know what I mean? Uh, so I w- that will always hold a really strong place in my heart in that regards. It was really interesting to and fun even to stay in character and engage with the kids that are throwing questions at you. Yeah. You know, and of course they had like a list of like these are the typical questions that kids that you will get asked, right? And here are some. Do you ever get the how? Did you ever get the how do you use the how do you use the bathroom or like funk stuff or not funk stuff but like Oh, sure. Absolutely. Can, can, and I forgive me, I do not even remember what like any of these answers were. But absolutely. Man. It's the classic and, and it's funny, you can look back like kids, no matter what year it is, no matter what time era, 
kids are kids, right? And they will ask a lot of the same questions because they have a very small little world and they have a very small little view of it. But the ones that really are interested and are curious ask like really great questions. And so it's fun to learn. And that's what I learned. I learned to navigate like, oh, these are the questions that they're going to ask a lot. Or you get the one kid that's kind of going to be a little rude just to try to get a laugh yeah, from other I kids. Mean, yeah. And how to navigate that in character. Stay in character, not break character. That was that was like the biggest early lesson that I got in performance uh, was from Kids in the Block, of all places. So, so cut to decades later, you you meet somebody with GP, and you mm-hmm. we talked about the pilot, your podcast pilot early on, mm-hmm. and I. We kind of upset. Do you remember this? I don't remember you being necessarily upset. I remember. I honestly vividly remember one of your comments was, "We do talk like that." <laughs> I was just like, I was upset because it's like one size doesn't fit all. For sure. Now, were you a, prior to that? I forgot to ask you. Were you aware of this program before hearing it on my show? I was not. And I'll tell you why, because I brought this up on the podcast before you've heard me say it. Mm-hmm. But everyone in my school had CP, so there was no learning needed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I didn't even think that CP was a common people cared about it until I heard something like that, you know? Sure. And what did that, what did that, what you said, you just said to me that you were kind of upset about it. What was it about it that made you upset? Because it's like, it made me upset because it's so, it really put a focus on, oh shit, I do talk like that. Fair. I get that. Oh shit. Not everybody talks like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the and that's one of the problem areas of that. Like I said, looking back at it, we go, Oh, they and probably could have when and when I discovered it with you, I was younger. Yeah, so sure. Every everything was very like whenever somebody would make a subtle joke about my disability, I thought it was always an attack. Of course. I literally, you bring up the word disability, you hate me. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. But then you guys, you guys were like, no, 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 we're not making fun of you. <laughs> yeah, correct. We're, and, I, and I hope it was always our intention, even a decade ago, that like as we were talking about the show, it wasn't, we were talking about the show as it had existed, right? Shining, it's... Almost in akin to, you know, kind of how Disney Plus, hashtag uh, SAG after strike, hashtag WGA strike, we uh, fully support the strike right now. Yeah, so we I'm do. Mentioning, I'm mentioning Disney Plus merely as a platform because uh, in context of the story, um, you know, how when they dropped The Muppet Show on there and mm-hmm. they added uh, a disclaimer in the beginning. Yeah. The, the disclaimer saying like there are things I'm not quoting it verbatim. I don't have it memorized, obviously, but it was along the lines of there are uh, images and uh, uh, depictions of 
racial stereotypes and other things um, that are depicted. But as opposed to cutting it out and removing it from history, we have decided to showcase it in as it was originally aired in order to continue the conversation that, you know, we're not condoning that this was okay, but it did happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Which I kind of applaud them for having done that. And they're like, just so you know, especially in the day and age of cancel culture and or, you know, um, the the and this could be a whole separate podcast right the 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 interconnectivity of us all globally at any second has opened the the gates to a lot more information and a lot more uh voices that necessarily did not have a platform to express hey we don't like this or hey this is offensive you know etc um so in this day and age where, you know, we're trying to be more in those of us, uh, most of us in the, especially in entertainment and of course in education are trying to be much more mindful of these kind of things. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to say, hey, d- forget this ever happened, you know, because that doesn't help anything. <laughs> right? Hey, you can't, something that you told me early on when I was contemplating releasing episodes or not releasing certain things, you said, don't erase history. Right. It happened. Learn from it. And that's what, and that's what that disclaimer is on, uh, uh, for like those shows. Like there are some episodes in the Muppet show that was done in the seventies that are today by today's mindset and standards, super cringy. But at the time, they weren't meaning to be, we hope, <laughs> meaning to be offensive and offending a specific subset of a culture or race, etc. Um, when de- playing with these characters. Um, but when you look at it now, you go, ooh, yeah, mm, yeah, that probably, yeah. You know, it's, it's a, we could talk about that for days of like, ooh, you could never make that today. You, you know, you yeah. couldn't do this today. And... <clears throat> But again, more to the point of saying it happened and we're learning from it. We can't ignore that it happened. We can't. And it's good that we spoke about it. Yeah, for sure. And that's what I was hoping. Again, back to my point. I was hoping that's what we were doing when talking about that show. It's like describing the show as it was in the lens that we had of it today going, yikes. Yeah, it's still it was kind of yikes, you know, from kind of everything to the way going on. Which is interesting to me, and see, from my understanding, I thought that that program was done. Um, on you know, it was like a publicly. I feel like I don't know what the funding situation was, but you know, to when I would bring it up, like, did you guys ever have that at school? They're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never seen anything like that. That sounds like a fever dream you had. I was like, no, it was real. Um, I even got a pin. I even got a puppetry pin for it <laughs> to go on my Letterman jacket at school. Um. It's one of those things you can talk about. You're like, you could see that they were trying, they, they were trying to do something good. The execution of it wasn't great. Um, and, uh, but I, I don't, you know, believe any kind of malice. But they, even in their realm, it was a little bit, you know, less informed, you know, by pigeonholing, by, you know, it's, we can have that conversation about pigeonholing uh, anybody, uh, but pigeonholing people with uh, a specific disability and say, they all... <laughs> you know by showcasing this one person 
And again, I don't want to speak on the script because I don't remember any of it. Um, and I would like to think, hopefully, that you know they say not every in some in some manner, in someone in one of the scenes when Mark Riley in his wheelchair and his helmet saying, "I have CP." I want to believe that they also said, this is the version I have. This is the type of CP I have. Not everybody has this. I don't know if that was ever true, if that was true. I'd like to believe that it was. But more to your point, to showcase a character to very little kids who are learning that that is their vision of somebody that has cerebral palsy and they think, they all are in a wheelchair. They all wear help uh, headgear, and they yeah. all talk with that very specifically. That, that was new to me. The helmet. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Super interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I can only assume they base it on somebody that they did know. That yeah, that was we, the type of CP that they had. I looked into I it. I think it was like. Frank Hunter, something, something like that. But again, um, I think the old, the norm, the the overriding theme of that show was like, this is a kid just like you, and there's some differences there, but it's okay, you know. Yeah. And that was the nice thing about the the, the overarching um, element of that particular show. So you know, I really like I really like the conversation because. You've been asked about your career on podcast um, um, team time, but I really wanted to showcase the friendship aspect because mm. you and I are family at this point. Yeah, man. We've, we're 10 years deep into our relationship. Oh, yes. Roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. I don't know, that seemed like a fitting quote. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I love how you just have it at the ready. Yeah, man, I'm a walking soundboard. I've just got it right there, ready to go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, yeah! I... Thank you, Lil John. I used to have you. I... Glad you're still you. here and paying attention, Lil John. Appreciate you. Yeah, he's got he's to gotta be here. Okay. Okay, it's yeah. all, that's all Yeah, it is okay. What? I'm saying thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> what? Thank you for being here and participating in the show. Okay. You're the best. Yeah. Okay. Continue. What were you saying? <laughs> talk about, this is how you balance. This is how you're talking about some, you know, this is real. This is real stuff. And now let's. Mission. Mission accomplished. Let's segue. Let's segue into a giggle. Because, sure. uh, laughter, man. Laughter is where it's at. So, what's the hardest part for you about being so <laughs> open? And... I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, where is this going? What's the hardest part for you being so, oh, what's the word I want to use to describe <laughs> you? I was wait being so open. Sorry, I started to laugh, and then you were asked. You asked a really that was like a real beautiful adjective. <laughs> and versus like, what's it like for you being so wacky or so odd or so polarizing in your in your energy to be? Uh, no, anyway. No, um, but sorry. Like, what is it like being open? What like, do you mean? Di- di- like uh, open and sort of having. 
to dial it back in certain places. Oh man, that's a great, that's a really great question. And honestly, that is <clears throat> that is one of my biggest hurdles and biggest Achilles heel, especially in voice work. Um, unless I'm get to do, uh wacky over-the-top animated characters which is of course my yeah. my ultimate passion and, and my, where my strength lies right my energy my natural energy my joy my love for th- all kinds of new things and 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 just excitement about doing this you know i love what i do and it and it seeps through i think that's not the good yeah the, my love seeps through my work it's got to be a mm-hmm. less gross word it it's a it, <laughs> it it flows my that's better my my the love for what i do flows into all of my work okay um that sounds that sounds about better right yeah it flows. yeah better yeah it doesn't it doesn't seep that sounds like it's like dripping and oozing. It oozes mm. through. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> they're they're you're clapping pr- you're at proud me. Of I was like, they were laughing. They thought that was funny. <laughs> no. Um. So my lo- my love definitely flows through everything that I do, and that was in all the different genres of voice work that I do as a performer. Um. You do. I have to rein it in, for sure. Um, yeah. because, uh, like for chats like this, it's fun and it's great. And, um, uh, but, and for characters, certain characters, it's perfect. Um, but for other types of work that I do, and I do a lot of it is in commercial work or in like corporate narration or in, um, you know, uh, textbooks, uh, e-learning, medical narration, things what like was that. that. What was that project? Something about chemotherapy or yeah, I uh, I got um, I was uh, very gratefully to be the voice for the American Cancer Society for a series of uh, videos that they made about all the different types of cancer therapy, um, like uh, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, etc. And they made a video specifically for each one to go through the details of what it is to really help people patients with you know starting out with this to not be so scared to not worry you know and so they cast me i think um well i, I won't say i think i know they because they, they very politely let me know that like they the, the, kind of what i said the love that i have for what i do is just carries through my stuff and so being able to and it's this is come through through years years and years of training and practice and working with other voice coaches as I was pursuing pursuing this career and being able to know what my center is my center is this my natural yeah. state is this like fun smiley energy but when talking about you know to to do a, a cancer a chemotherapy video um, I needed to find the specific balance for me to still let that love and that warmth and the kindness and the caring that I have. And it's important, like, no, like this w- talking to someone with that is going through something tremendously hard, tremendously difficult, tremendously scary. And to let them know it's, it's all going to be fine. It's it, it, what you're doing the right thing. You're in good hands. And this is, this is to give you some information that's palatable, 
that's easy to understand and also, you know, not not terrifying. And <clears throat> I had to be able to do that because I couldn't go, you're about to go to chemotherapy. Let's talk about what that's going to be like. <laughs> Come on. That's not the vibe that was going to work. It wasn't going to be like Dino DNA. You know, it wasn't going to be like Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park talking about chemo. You know what I mean? That just probably wasn't going to be the vibe that was going to work and what they wanted. Um, so I needed to go the, the training and the coaching and the mentors that I've had for years and years and years ha, uh, helped me find that, helped me be able to go find that balance of of that warmth and tone it down and and it's also not boring it's not like and now i'm reading this word not, to you bueller bueller yeah it's not that it's not this monotone it's not ai i'm not a lifeless ai voice don't get me started on ai another voices. another episode That's another, another episode. episode oh my heavens um yeah so uh, does that answer your question? It it, it took a lot of t- it took a lot of work. Yeah. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of training. It took a lot of having learned ears and voices and my like I said, coaches and mentors listen to me, watch me, hear me perform, hear me doing what I was trying to do in that particular realm, and they're immediately saying it's too much. It's too much. You're too much. <laughs> You're too much. And yeah. at the same time, going, it's not a bad thing. And this is what I tell my uh, my uh, my students, my voice acting students as well, um, especially for directors and um, uh, when directing scenes and things like that. Um, for those who are maybe interested in getting into voice work, it's one of those things where that's a that's a, it is an advantageous place to start to have more energy than you need. Because yeah. the director, we, the director's casting, we can always turn you down. We can always turn you down. It's much more difficult to go, I need more. Give me more. Right? Stop being so, you know, don't be scared. Don't be timid. Don't be in your head. Don't be clammed up. Don't be tightened up. It's so much easier for you to go, okay, great. I see where you're at. You're at about an eight. We need to bring you down to about a four. <laughs> you know what I mean, and that's a good kind of visual analogy. And you're more than you're more than happy to do that. Absolutely, because you, because you want the 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 best quality product. Absolutely, and I want the story to be. I my goal my goal is to always make the story told in the way that it needs to be told. And if the client, if the you know the cancer society is like the voice that we hear talking to our patients is calm, is warm is inviting right and it's finding it's understanding those adjectives and under and but also putting them through the lens of me like what does that mean to me what yeah. does what is my calm and warm and inviting tone and then i realize that it that's that is who i am that's who i am like when i'm not uh you know uh, to, up to 11 you know and i can easily go up to 11 i like being up to 11 but also, I ought to just relax. You know, there's that you've, and that's a search that I had to do within myself, right? Yeah. Because anytime I would step up to a mic, especially in my early days of voice acting, it's like, all right, I'm here, I'm, but I'm acting now. I'm a voice actor, and it was just so much, 
so much. And so I had to find, I had to search that within myself. What is your, yes, this is your natural state for most of the day, but not for 24 hours of the day. There's got to be times where you're just like, I just want to chill and watch something and just kind of relax. And then when you find that, you're like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. And that's me. Yeah. You know, and so being that guy, it, but through that, it's, uh, it, you're not, I'm not losing the joy and the love and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just relaxed. It's finding that more relaxed state. And that was the, and it's different for everybody, but that was the, the code crack for me to find that like, um, relaxed natural energy that I still had and be able to call that forth in the in the proper context or for the for the right product or the right project or the, you know the the right um genre if you will it's interesting that we talk about this cuz a couple years back not even a couple months back I was talking with the voice of uh, Barney the Dinosaur. Mm. And he had to record voiceover for a separate doll that would help kids go through chemotherapy. And he would guide them through breathing as Barney. Guide them through the project as Barney. And I can't imagine doing that in a character voice. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing one. It's an amazing thing because right, you're. you're I think, I think though, with Barney, because who Barney is is like yes, it's it's bubbly and it has a lot of energy. But you know, the overriding thing was that Barney loves you and Barney is is your friend and here to help you and and in and, and so I think even with that energy and that you know specific cartoony-esque voice if you will um it's being able to tap into that i'm sure was not entirely too difficult for him because barney's goal because at that point especially as a voice actor and i say we're actors we're all the voice actors guys are the strongest some of the most in incredibly talented actors you will ever come across because with voice acting, there's a very specific window, very specific channel that they are trying to, that they, that we have to get across all the, basically all the same information that you get from an actor that you're watching. Yeah. And you need to have all of those same connections just by hearing them. And so because of that specific challenge, if you will, that a voice actor has in order to tell a story that they're that much more connected to who they're playing, to what story they're telling, right? They're that much more connected to the moments that they're in and breathing life into that. And I use that term a lot too, especially for voice acting. And of course with puppetry, breathing life into this character that is, wholly inanimate without you. And so I think w- through that, that's why the Barney is able to, and forgive me, I don't remember uh, the actor's name. Bob West. Bob West. That, that he's able to do that. He's able to infuse that, take Barney, and that's what the greatest voice actors do. A voice acting, guys, it's not about, I say guys, you know, the audience over here. Little John, you still with me? Yeah! Great. Voice acting is not <laughs> just about the your, it's not just, you You have a great voice. 
It's so much. It is about your acting. It is like, I can do, I've heard this great, this before. It's like, I do a great Homer Simpson. And I was like, awesome. You know who else does a great Homer Simpson? The guy who does Homer Simpson. He does, I don't know if you've heard, Don Castanella, he does a really good Homer Simpson. And you know what else? He's still doing it. Um, So it's great that you can do that voice. And so I'll say, great. Let's say, great. You do a great Homer Simpson, it crushes at parties. Crushes. People love when you do it at parties. And you have maybe what? One, two, three, three phrases that you say. And your dope, your dough is like on point, right? Like if somebody closed their eyes and you went dope, they would be like, whoa, is Homer here? Love that. Now, great. I'm going to give that. I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give you these, these phrases. What you do, how you do Homer Simpson is like top notch. Now, can you be Homer Simpson eating a chicken wing? Can you be Homer Simpson running a marathon? Can you be Homer Simpson getting electrocuted? Can you be Homer Simpson, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of something that Homer doesn't usually do, which is like stub his toe. What's he going to do when he stubs his toe? Don't! He's going to say don't. Yeah. <laughs> but can you be Homer Simpson giving chemotherapy instructions? You know? <laughs> and that is when those people that are starting out go, oh, I never thought of it like that. Right? It's this, can you be this character? through regardless of the situation that they're put in that's ultimately your job when you get cast as a character especially in a series and stuff like that like we trust that you know this character you can breathe life into this character and now we also need to trust that you are the actor that we believe you to be to be able to take this character and no matter what is thrown at them and know how that that character will act and react in any situation, right? We we believe that that's really the name of the game here. And so that's why, taking it back to Bob West, why he is so familiar and knows that character and holds that character so dear to his heart. That even though uh, the character has I would love for you. I would love voice. for you two to meet. Honestly. Oh, I would love to chat with him. Absolutely. But I, I'm, and I'm speaking for him. I'm speaking for you, Bob. But I believe, I believe that you know Barney so well. And he lives within you so strongly that absolutely you can have Barney tell a story that's really, you know, talk about what it's like to go through chemotherapy and guide a child in a way that's not super silly and over the top. To be, can you be a silly, over the top? Do you need to get that? Little John, do you need to get that? Yeah! All right, answer that for me. I appreciate you. Um, do you know, do me a favor, um, Little John, when um, when they pick up, just say um, two uh, large pizzas, one pepperoni, one extra cheese. Okay! Okay, thanks, bud. I appreciate you. Um, so being taking an over-the-top character that's like kind of naturally zany and be able to take that same zany character and put him in a serious, hit him or her or it into a serious situation and how they would be. That is the mark of a really strong voice actor. And that's the kind of stuff that you want to start to work on and achieve if this is something that you want to do as a career to be a character. It's not just, I can do one really or two or three funny voices. And uh, speaking of voices and, you know, diversity, I 
I don't want it to be that podcast, but we're there. Oh, we got there. We're I there. Mean, we made it. I mean, industry professionals, when they say to me that people with disabilities can't be on the radio, can't be on the platform, it's like, that's such an outdated way of thinking. Thousand. That Because they're like, why not? Just because it wasn't done before doesn't mean it can't. And it's like, the argument was, well, they need they need to understand. It's like, even if all it takes is to take a minute to listen to the person and then know they learn their speech patterns, like, get, get used to it. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> am I right? Like, thousand percent. Yeah. I just a lot of a lot of you know you can even take that even to other companies or other you know I'm taking it more in like the show it's trusting your audience you're you're these suits when I call them the suits these are the suits that make these decisions and they don't trust their audience because they don't understand it or they fear it in some way and they think any kind of thing that's quote unquote out of the norm that the audience is not is not going to be on board right or not like you said or not understand and that's why you that's why we love like sesame street and other other shows that don't treat kids as inferiors that don't that don't underestimate the intelligence of kids and their ability to understand yeah. You know, and, and I think more companies like that, terrestrial radio, terrestrial radio has got its own problems because it's struggling to stay alive as it is. Um, but in a, I'm using that as a similar context of like, just you make these decisions because you're just like, oh, I don't think the audience is going to be on board. We're going to get phone calls. You see? Um, yeah. That's my that's my radio guy that says that you can't be on the radio I love it. it's a little like it's kind of like a little bit of the penguin a little bit of i don't know who else he was um but uh yeah that's my feeling on that it's just you can see it in you can see it in to take it into pop culture see it in media in general see it on broadway you know talk about you know there's always that conversation of like there's nothing new out there and the producers are like, you know, they're using old IP or they're revivals of things because they're like, the audience doesn't want to go out to see something new. They want to just relive the same shit that they've always loved. You know what I mean? And that's that's a lot of producers thinking. They're, it's a risk. They're like, it's a risk to do something new. But then, of course, when that happens, when it hits, a.k.a. like Hamilton, was something that was completely new when that came out. And yeah. they laughed at him. I love that. I love watching Lin-Manuel Miranda being on the the presidential dinner. I think it was the presidential dinner for Barack Obama. Oh, yeah, the White House video? First, yeah, where he introduced that he's working on this show. And then, and then he laughed. Said, he's, like, he's like, you laugh, but it's true. Yes, they laughed. The audience laughed. The president laughed. And then thought cut it, to, I think there's a video now, and I think even uh, Barack Obama even said this, like, well, <laughs> who's laughing now? You know what I mean? They thought it was going to be like this, for lack of a better term, and I love this, but they thought it was going to be like this schoolhouse rock sort of like Oops. history lesson. Right. 
It's this but, uh, the, this this singular narrow-minded thinking, and they heard this weird idea that nobody else has done: make a a hip-hop musical about <laughs> Secretary of the Treasury uh, Alexander Hamilton, one of the founding, <laughs> you know. And they were like, "What?" You know, because it was so. There's like, there's no way. And now look at it. Do you see what I mean? Like that's that's a that's an example. I feel, um, of of that of, of that exact kind of thinking and how there's the the powers that be the ones that control the strings and the yeah. the money flow um are too they're too scared to make a risk sure. on anything original and, or different you know and you know little john if you haven't seen hamilton you definitely should yeah do you hear that little john you should go see it okay yeah let us know what you think about it all right yeah excellent <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness where are we at now what part of the show are we at now what else have we covered what else what else you're do we breaking, need you're breaking me what you knew we what you knew we gonna have <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure I'll, as, long as, as long as you're I'm scared i want you to be scared don't be scared and i don't want to break you so hard where you <gasps> scream um Yes, am I reusing the same little sound effects that I have on my soundboard? Okay. I am. Deal with it. You want to get nerdy for a second? Let's do it. Let's nerd out a little bit. What is your voiceover setup? What's your studio like? Okay, I've never asked you. Um. Okay, great. So I do, uh, I, I'm also an audio producer and audio engineer. I've done this. This was, it ran in tandem with my voice acting career as well. When I went to school, I double majored in uh, musical theater where I went to school too in college I didn't have a puppetry I didn't go to UConn um, I actually wasn't even really aware of UConn at the time where you could just get your master's in puppetry which is something I probably absolutely would have done but instead I went the, tra- the traditional uh, acting route and theatrical route and I fell in love with musical theater so I got my um, BFA in musical theater and also in digital media productions um, and this was in the late 90s and the early aughts um, so uh, I had my finger on the pulse with the digital media and uh, edit, video editing, audio editing, audio engineering, things like that. So that has served me quite well in my uh, <clears throat> my voiceover career, and I'm setting up my own setup. Um, but I'm currently based in Orlando, Florida, um, and within my office, I have an isolated four by six sound treated booth. Um, the mic that I typically use, the mic you're hearing me on now, and what I use for most of my projects is the Neumann TLM 103. Um, industry standard. The yeah, uh, kind of like the industry home standard. It's like the it's the they kind of call it the home version of the Neumann U87, which is like the epic studio standard mic. Um, and uh, and I chose this mic because my voice really works on it. Um, and I, and I, and I say this in a lot of my coaching sessions and in my home setup consultations that I do for voice actors that are looking to set up their own stuff is, um, there, there isn't like, you see these names, you see the Neumann TLM 103 or the Sennheiser 416. And they're like, I have to get that mic. And the answer is no, no you don't. Um, there are a lot of mics out there. And a, every mic sounds different on every voice, so um, you need to search. Um, it's a little easier now to do it, but during COVID, you couldn't go do this, but there are music centers and guitar centers that like literally will let you go in and try out the microphones and see what you sound oh, that like was on my fa- That was my favorite thing to do as a kid. Yeah. Just go there and just 
Yeah, just geek out, listen to the mic, and how does that sound? And um, yeah, anyway, and then uh, I have a very you know simplistic setup. I have a monitor here in my booth, <clears throat> um, and into a I'm gonna focus right Scarlet Solo, and I control my whole system is at my editing console desk, which is outside of the booth. Um, so it's nice and quiet in here. And I got a webcam like, in here as where well. Where did the sound effect come in? Like, what's triggering that? Oh, I just, you know, I use, um, I just have a built-in soundboard. It's magical. I just have it right here. So I control my system in here. I have a Bluetooth keyboard and a mouse so I can oh, that's sweet. Uh, access everything. And I just have it all kind of queued up right and here. You just hit a button. You helped me kind of redirect my setup because... You said, your mic is okay, but you need something a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you're you on the, the Shure MV7, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is excellent. Which is like the, you know, it's the little brother of the Shure SM7B. Which is and... why I wanted it, because I always wanted a 7B, but I can't afford that. Yeah, and you don't, but you don't need it. Again, that's become like the podcast standard mic. There's so many mics out there. Again, YouTube is your friend, guys. Go check out YouTube. There are a lot of uh, other audio engineers, audio professionals that do side by sides, like and let them and them playing. You know uh, what this mic sounds like next to the other mic, and pick which one sounds best to you. And so go now, for it. people, like be real, people shit on the Blue Yeti products and the Snowball and all. What are your thoughts on Well, do you know why? Do you know why they shit on the Blue Yeti? For content creation and things like that? It's because it is, it's not that it's bad at all. I made a professional broadcast living for six years in my studio apartment in New York City using the Blue Yeti. So I don't hear anybody knock it. The reason why people hate on it is because they don't treat their space. Because the Yeti is immensely sensitive in a very similar way as to the Neumann that I'm currently talking on. If I was to talk on this mic just in my office, it would sound terrible. It would sound terrible. You need to treat what is more important, voice actors... Upcoming voice actors, people that are interested in doing this and and doing audio uh, or or recording your vocals, your space is far more important than your mic. But at the same time, if you can't, you have to work with what you have and make Absolutely. So what you need to do if you're going to use a Yeti, you have to treat your space because it is so sensitive and it picks up everything. It picks up everything. And that's why people hate it. Um, because their spaces aren't treated. So that's why they gravitate, especially for podcasts, they gravitate towards like the Shure uh, or uh, the SM7B or the MV7 because they're a lot this more localized. This is literally the best mic, and you can talk, the best mic I've ever had. Yeah, and you can use that in an open space that's not really treated and it still sounds really good because it's really just picking up your voice. The Yeti picks up everything. The Neumann picks up everything. So I'm in a sound-treated booth, So it's but it sounds good. Before that, I was using a uh, road mic, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was okay. Yeah. But Again, all these mics work, and they all can sound good. I I highly encourage you to be mindful of your space. The space that you record in is much more important than the the celebrity, the notoriety, or the price point of your microphone. Right. Just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it is what you need. 
the more expensive the mic, the better it is, the more it is going to pick up. Um, yeah. So treat your space. Treat your space. Folks. And you don't you don't need like annoying right away. Too. No. You don't and that's the next thing. You, know, you, you segued into a really great point that I also bring up to folk. Um, you start to, I st- like I said, I started out with the Yeti. And it, you, you upgrade as the work allots. As yeah. your work upgrades, so does your equipment. When you start booking more work and getting the money in order to then reinvest it within your business. And that's the other thing too, is that it's very much a business and you have to think of it in those terms and you have to take care of it in those terms. Um, But yes, you do not need to go out and spend to get a $10,000 VO booth and a $3,000 microphone before you know how to use it. Yeah. Before you know how to use the equipment and or especially before you know how to use your own instrument, yeah. your voice and what you want to achieve in the voice acting space. Coach and train. The best investment you can make is coaching and training and practicing and knowing what you strengthening what you bring to the table and then being able to capitalize on it with the proper equipment as right. as you move forward. Right. And you know, you edit you edit the conversation day in and day out and mm-hmm. I appreciate you. But with that being said, there's a couple of questions that I've always been curious about in regards to editing my show specifically. So if we could peel back the curtain with that a little bit. Okay. If you don't mind. All right. What do you look at first when I get you a file? Like, well, like, what are you kind of looking for? What are some of the Bobisms that you try to? Uh, the first thing I look at is like, all right, well, how many, <laughs> how many people are on the call? Because <laughs> they were mostly done over Zoom. I say, all right, how many, how many tracks do I have? And if it's just you and and a one guest, which is typical, yeah, I go great. Um. And then I don't necessarily pre and then I look at it and then, you know, the more adept you get at editing and audio, I can look at a waveform and go, ooh, he's really quiet. Ooh, I'm going to have to fix that or I'm going to have to boost that. I'm going to have to adjust that a little bit. Um, and then I just listen through it. I just listen through it. And then of, you know, in being, you know, working together and the, the, the flow that you want from your show. And some of the stuff and you'll you'll hit me with, you know, we kind of went into this zone. I kind of thought about taking out. But also, as you go into the chat and you're talking to somebody, you're like, we'll edit this out. We'll edit this out. And I'm like, great. I'll edit that out. Um, So you kind of direct me as you're chatting live, which is great. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. Again, it's just one of those. And we've been uh, been doing it so long that I just have a natural. I know the rhythm. I know the pace. I know the flow of how this goes and then I um, for nitpicky stuff I'll take out any kind of if I can take out any kind of bumps and sounds and things like that either on your end or on the guests end uh, if they're adjusting mics yeah. if they're talking on like a um, uh, 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 like a headset you know earbud microphone thing or just on their you know MacBook uh, or their laptop mic or whatnot, and I try to clean it up as much as possible just to make it kind of evenly palatable uh, across the board and uh, yeah that's just kind of it 
Yeah. Because we, you and I talk about the episodes and all the things, but we never really talk about your time editing the show. And before we wrap up, Mm -hmm. I really want to go into that just so people know that I work with I work with you. I just don't shed it in front of you and go, here you go. Thousand percent. Right. And that's because well, and that's just the relationship that we ha- we have established that in our long running working relationship of doing this together is that um we already have like an unspoken natural discourse and that's that comes with working with someone long enough that you go, you know that I'm going you already you know and you trust me to cut your episodes. Yeah. And I know what your vision is and what your goal is. Uh and and we meet and we and that is what blends together. And so we don't necessarily have to in the beginning there would be like, oh I didn't like this and like this and we tweak this and that's that's part of the the growth of that but now we're pretty much in a good we're, we're just in a we just have a good flow you you send, yeah. you, you upload your your stuff of the chat and then i cut it together and then you listen back to it you qc every one of your episodes before they go up and then um we make any kind of last minute changes or ads or whatnot and and the thing that the thing that i the thing that i encourage is the weekly or bi-weekly meeting we have, not just to talk about the episode, but just to chill, just to make sure that, you know... Yeah, for sure. And that's why we finally were like, let's just do this and finally record it. <laughs> let's record one of our just, like, chats. But, yeah, and then just checking in with, like, what who's on deck, what what is the rehearsal, uh, the rehearsal, the release schedule, uh, you know, what you're thinking about. And, you know, and it we've had a little bit more conversation about it because uh, hashtag shout out to the strike again. We fully support the SAG after strike and the WGEA strike. And we want AMPTP to come back to the table and really <laughs> negotiate fair terms across the board for all the people that put in all of the work for all of the content that uh, everyone enjoys and that a very select few make a bazillion dollars off of. Um, gonna st- and as I step back off of my soapbox, um, but in light of that, uh, Little John, I told you, yeah! tell them that we want to have a large pizza, extra pepperoni, and extra cheese. Okay! Oh, and also some garlic knots. What? Some garlic knots. What? Uh, okay, uh, do you want something to drink, Bob? Do you just want a soda or something? I An iced tea would be nice. Okay, and uh, an iced tea and a Sprite. Light on the ice. Yeah! <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, so, <laughs> back to uh, since the strike has happened and you have a lot of episodes that you have recorded already with uh, talent and creatives that in light of the strike you've been concerned about and some of our guests have vocalized like not to release this stuff yet until the strike has been resolved because of the things that you guys talk about and that is a fair thing that we that we're navigating and want yeah. to uh, be respectful of um because we um just thoroughly respect the talent and the creatives and the work that goes into this stuff and um we support the strike and so we're going to support that so we've had more chats about that and that about like certain things that you have had recorded earlier and we're like i think you know and i'll and i'll toss you're open to my ideas where i'm like hey i think you should release this one this one's great 
Oh my god! Can, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, Ryan Dusick. The Ryan Dusick one. Yeah, when I listened to that, I was like, "This is awesome! You should just drop this right now." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> All right. Perfect. You got it. Done. Yeah, I, I think about, and we've kind of been shying away from this question, but I legitimately want to know, considering how we started this conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about kids on the block and how you didn't know much about cerebral palsy or, you know, what have you learned from me specifically about my workflow and the way I do things and my my quirks and needs and wants because you're very attentive to me. Yeah, of course. And because, one, you're my friend, right? And I love you. Love you to bits and back. And I, um, what I've learned, especially, you know, again, you opened my eyes more to uh, the, from my very minimal exposure to someone with CP from a really horribly designed puppet <laughs> to to knowing you and over the years and knowing your story and your uh, the, the limitations that you have, but also the way that the limitations that you have have not limited you in most of your endeavors at all, really. Um, you know, and that's why I'm, I am so... One, honored to be your friend, but two, honored to be a part of the show and help you um, in, you know, because you were doing all this on your own, on your own. And you, you've said this before. It's something that kind of still blows my mind, but not not in like a like, a, oh, my goodness, kind of way. Just like it's just fascinating to me. And also incredible is that you 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 do everything and type with like one finger. Yeah. You know, like edit and do all this stuff. And, and, and you were doing all you were doing it. With one finger. <laughs> and that's a lot. That's a lot. Right? And at this point, and I have, the, I'm at this one, uh, I'm, I, you don't need to do that. You know, you, it, your talents and your, your, you being the focal point of the show, you being the, the host of this show, I think it is much better. And you talked about this on the, your brilliant chat with Stephanie DeBruzzo where she interviewed you about a lot of this and how you know you delegate now like you it's this way you know a jack of all jack of all trades master of none that they say you know so being able to say i need if somebody can help me with this i can be better at doing this you know and i appreciate and that's an incredible thing for anybody not even somebody with a physical disability but for anybody in life that's a just a nice just a beautiful life lesson that you remind me kind of on a daily basis that like I have physical limitations but I don't let them stop me I don't let them sour my joy or my desire to achieve what I want to achieve I found a way to do it I found a way to make it work and now as I continue to do it, I'm finding ways to make it work better. You got, you got, you got to adapt. Exactly. I mean, if I could, I'm, it's my show, as you say, but. <laughs> what? When, Who's, it's your show? What? When 
when I Stop guaranteed. Nice. <laughs> when I first got into my relationship with my fiance, who you met, mm-hmm. shout out to Sid. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sid, magical Sid. She's magic. And you know, right, little John. She, yeah. Little John agrees. She got a visual impairment, and. You know, I might have to blow things up so that one working eye mm-hmm. can see something or like darken the text a little bit so everything can be visual, like everything can be seen. But that's because I've had to adapt my entire life. This is no different. Thousand percent. And that, oh, I want to say, I, so you just basically summed it up in a way that I can say the best thing that. I the, the biggest thing that you teach me is that you you go all right just because Sid can only really see out of one eye just because you can only really work with one finger doesn't mean well f- it what's the point why am I even going to bother you go all right so we'll just do this I'll darken the text I'll blow it up I'll take an but extra I, time to do what I need to do. And yeah. that mindset that you have, that you continually have, is, you know, and I know we, we like to, we don't like to use the, we don't like to use the I word. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. It's an inspiring but technically, you have. really, <laughs> I, because most people my, in my predicament wouldn't build the shit up tailored to their need they would just go okay i'll just deal with it i'll just no. deal with it or i'll or i quit i'll quit they quit before they even try and that's what i mean the things the lessons that you show me with your story and that's what good stories are stories tales parables you know the the classic t- stories you know that we that we've all grown up with you know the that's what they they do for us right they literally go just because this doesn't mean you know like don't you know it's the classic like just don't give up and that's what your story teaches i think for lack of a better term uh on a daily basis for folk and that's that's a that's you're you're a pleasant fun constant reminder that just because you have this just because this could be seemingly a hurdle for you doesn't mean you can't do it yeah plain and simple and that is so king powerful i like i did my own bleep did you hear that that is so king powerful (laughs) that i don't know if you understand the 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 full breadth or gravity of that simple fact that you show in a tangible way to others and it's so and it's amazing it's so interesting because you and I are having this conversation and a few days ago the phone rang little John I said all right we want a large pepperoni large extra cheese an iced tea and a Sprite. What? An iced tea and a Sprite. What? All right, a Dr. Pepper. Okay. And you know what? Do me a favor. Go unplug the phone from the wall. Yeah. 
Okay, great. Like, <laughs> we're having this conversation, and a couple weeks ago, you sat here and you told me you don't have to say certain things to get people to understand your story. Nope. Can we kind? Can we just wrap up with that? Because that's important. Yeah. Do you mean in the context uh, in the context that I w- we were talking about it in regards to like the flow the of your show when in conversations yeah. with like people that you're just meeting for the first time? Yeah. Um. Well, because it's you know to be frank, you were saying you were coming to me like I feel like I'm being redundant or being repetitive, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> you are. And you didn't say that to me at first. You're like, well, but then you heard it a bunch and you were like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And, but in a way, in like a constructive context of like saying, because it felt like you, you you needed to, to, to guide the conversation in that particular way. Um, And I think there was, I, I was bringing up to the fact of your natural ability to conversate with folk. Like this. Like, like this. this. That you can literally just let it organically get to that point. And, um, you know, there are, you know, especially when you're chatting with people as a, you know, and it's, it's, it's like I said, I don't remember what your like intros are to the guests when you reach out to them. But, it, you know, by putting a simple. I always bring up the CP. Great. Part so of it they already. So, yeah. So that's already been set up. They already you've already let them know. And you th- just let it go from there. Do you know what I mean? And just let it kind of naturally take place. And like I said, when you when we're organically, and it happened in our conversation just today, where you know I'm talking about something that was important to me, or talking about something I was working on, and you're like, that makes me think of this. Like in my, you know, you can apply you apply that great, you know, in my world, you know, when I'm doing this and my ability or or the challenges that i have in order to do this you know what you just said i don't need to i don't need to billboard it correct right well and you don't want to you've even said that you don't want to billboard it you didn't want to billboard it in the beginning and i think even though now you're letting it be more part of the conversation you still don't need to go all right let me let me apply the brakes let me hold up this giant neon sign Uh, 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 i have cp let's talk about that for a second (laughs) you know that's that is that was more my point it turns into this cue the music sob story I'm gonna play a little bit of it (laughs) it makes me it makes me feel so you know right and that's not what you wanted and so and like so you you bringing it up and trying to incorporate it in your conversations was kind of making it feel that way after a certain point in time. And so I was like, all right, well, let's just work on a way to, to, to allow. And what I said, and I still stand by this is that you in this, this feeds into uh, what I was talking about in, for my journey in, in voice acting and stuff like that is you got to trust yourself. You trust yourself, trust your ability as a really great interviewer, as, 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 as guiding the conversation along that you can do it and you don't need to go, uh, let me just slap this on here. Let me, let me just let me just go. Cause truthfully, when I started working with you, that wasn't a thing, right? And it started when I went through some really tough shit, right? 
Yeah, and you're and you and of course and we all and that's something we can all get behind. We all understand. We all get distracted by that. I needed that vehicle to talk about that thing at that. And after a while, I know I don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. But out of habit, it just kept. Oh, I need to drop it in. I don't gotta drop in anything. Nope. It's this one's. It's your show. You don't have to drop anything in there that you that you don't want to. And at that point in time, where you 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 were in a in a darker place and you needed to crawl out of it, and that in that you know fed through was a through line kind of through your shows. You know, you can use the example of you know a lot of artists that create things in certain places, right? This was their period. That was their era when they were going through something, and that reflected in their work. And then you grow out of it, or you gr- not grow out of it, but uh, what I mean, like you grow through it yeah. and you came out on the other side and now you're like, I don't feel the need to necessarily do that anymore. You were using this outlet a little bit as self-therapy, which is completely valid and completely fine. It's again, it's your show. So there's no, we, there was no, it was, my, right it was literally my only way to just, deal with everything yeah it was an outlet it's a way to like you know anybody hashtag shout out to therapy therapy is a beautiful magical thing and you know where a lot of people use you know journaling or whatever you know things like that to 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 get out the thoughts right that's part of it a lot of therapy is to let it out right stop holding it all in and for you the show was that for you you had to let that out that was that steam valve to to let all that and I appreciate you, like, taking care of me during that time. Because you knew that the episodes weren't going to be the way they normally were. Right. And it was just me getting through the day. Yep. And you knew that going in. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we put in some really... We 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 put out some really good content. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But truth be told, I really appreciate you coming on our show today. We we didn't really talk about puppetry that much, which is really <laughs> kind of good because that's what that's what other podcasts are for. And I really wanted to showcase the voiceover and the creative side of it. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you allowing me this in, what did we say? From stepping out from behind the scenes into the front of the scenes. Oh, they're calling again. Oh, my goodness. Little John, what did I say? What? What did we say? Can you please just go get the pizza? Okay. All right. And on that note, we'll cue some, we'll bring up some music, fade ourselves out. So where um, can where can people where can people find you? All right, so friends, again, uh, Bob, I love you, and thanks so much for having me in front of the scenes, as it were. I love you. Man. Um, but um, yeah, I am I am not on the social medias any longer. Uh, again, hashtag mental health reasons, hashtag therapy. Um, uh, but I um, you can find me at natebeagle.com, and that's B E G L E. NateBeagle.com find all of uh, that's really all of my VO audio production coaching Um, I do a lot of voice acting uh, voiceover coaching 
for uh, all levels for um, people just starting out and then people looking to um, uh, to strengthen certain uh, genres or people that are voice actor. I have voice actor colleagues and friends that work with me in um, that are primarily focused in one genre and are looking to shift over and uh, use their skills uh, into another genre of voiceover because it's not all one thing, guys. Voiceover is not just I just do voiceover. One size doesn't fit all. Correct. Taking it back, one size does definitely does not fit all. Um, so yes, NateBeagle.com. You can also uh, look me up on LinkedIn. That's this. That's as social uh, media e as I get. Um, and yeah, reach out to me um, for all of your voiceover and audio production needs. Seriously, thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Love, love you, you too, so man. Much. Have a good rest of your day, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Sounds good. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us at the DJ Bob Show. If you like this episode, drop us a line at djbobrunkle at gmail.com. That's djbobrunkel at gmail.com. Let us know what you liked most about this episode and what other guests we should have on the DJ Bob Show. Thanks so much again for hanging out with us. This is Nate Beagle, your humble announcer. <laughs>